When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 underway from 6th and Peabody in Nashville, Monday edition. And jam-packed with NFL and college football discussion. The crew is all here and we'll hit... Literally all things football throughout the show today. Gentlemen, great to be back. Good afternoon. Ready for a big week. It is good to have you back, Hutton. I'm fired up today. It's one of those days I can't even keep the smile off my face. I'm just so excited to be here. <laughs> talking you. NFL preseason football. Talking about whatever the heck pops up today. I feel like there's a, a number of things that could even happen during this show from a news standpoint. We've had a pretty good run of Monday and Tuesday shows something popping up on Twitter during our three hours live on air that uh, leads to immediate discussion. I expect more of that today. Well, bring it. I'm looking forward to It's always fun when something pops during the show. I'm on the lookout right now. Uh, well, one of the things being discussed. That and our YouTube page. Our Flo- YouTube Florio channel. will give you every single scenario on Watson so he can say he's right, but he's, he's reporting or put out a column this morning about how uh, the – the appeal seems to be dragging because two side, both sides are negotiating a settlement right now. So take that for what it's worth. Again, Florio's also said that he's getting a full year. Then he went back to it's more likely he's getting six to eight games, and then he's jumped around a bit on the settlement. He has covered a uh, lot. So he's going to point to whatever column ends up being right. But he did put out this morning that he's expecting now what's taking so long is the two sides are working on a settlement. Uh, which could come sooner rather than later now. He, and then he did play on Friday. He threw five whole passes. So, uh, less willing to throw than Malik Willis. What would a settlement look like at this point, do we think? Well, they less came out and year? said they'd take 12? eight and five million, right? I yeah. don't think the league's that settling for eight and five million. So when we last heard from Dan Graziano when they were talking, we, we heard the league wanted at least – I can't remember the number of games, but $10 million, which would be last year's salary that he collected while he was sitting with his feet up in Houston, not doing anything. I can't remember the games. I think it was 12. Have they clarified um, how they're fining him based on the CBA? I don't know where the fine comes from per se. I know that if he's fined for the, if he's suspended for the full season, the contract tolls. So that punishes him in terms of earning base salary. He's already got the, the bonus in his pocket. But it's well known. That's that a big difference. It's though. well known that this, this contract, for lack of a better way to describe this, is poison-pilled so that he will not suffer financially from what the NFL could fine him per game. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how they levy a fine outside well, yeah. of the realm of salary. The fine versus the suspension. So the suspension, you would lose your base salary for those that percentage of the 18-week season versus the fine. That's interesting. I haven't seen anything about how that works with the collective bargaining agreement. You get suspended plus fined. Have we seen much of that? I, I'm not recalling. No. The only thing I remember seeing is you get suspended and then 
we calculate your fine out you're of fine the weeks based you're on what you're missing. Well, this is beyond that, but apparently it's legit because nobody's raised well, questions what, about. And maybe it's because both sides are agreeing to it that that makes it legitimate, right? Like you're and, signing over your CBA rights as part of the settlement. Yeah. No, it seems it seems like indications are that that the Goodell's appointee could come with a suspension and a fine. So maybe it's in the realm of the possibility of what the NFL can do here on this in this appeals process as part of the discipline. That's a good question that we need to look further into. We'll have uh, quarterback performance numbers for you, evaluation, thoughts, and opinions on what we've seen, not, not from the rookies, but some first-time starters that are coming into the league for week one, uh, and, and also some quarterback battles. That's coming up in about 15 minutes here on the show. Uh, released uh, just a couple of hours ago, the AP Top 25 for college football. No surprise. Alabama, the Crimson Tide, uh, the the big choice here uh, with 54 selections in the AP Top 25 preseason poll. Again, last week was the coaches poll. Now you have the AP uh, preseason Top 25 in totality with Ohio State at number two, Georgia third overall, and there's Clemson. Clemson, who finished 14th last year in the final AP Top 25. The next time there's a poll out, they're in the top four. And this starts the perception of a program, no matter where they finished, it is about where you start in the AP Top 25. They are perceived as a college football playoff team right now, facing Alabama in the first round. Rounding out the, the, the rest of those uh, in, in the top 10. Notre Dame at five overall, Texas A&M, and uh, looking at this, is that Houston? Yeah, it's Texas A&M, Houston, Michigan, Michigan, Oklahoma, six, seven, and eight. Baylor. So where did Oklahoma conclude? Sorry, my last eyes year? are getting I, terrible I know that in these graphics. Got, oh, that's are, Utah. Sorry, yeah, that, that's Utah. Utah at seven. Yeah. Oh, Houston. Yeah, that makes more sense. Like, yeah. what is this? Yeah, yeah. The Utah at seven. So where did Oklahoma, I know Oklahoma's got a new coach and more um, more change, but I'm curious where they finished last year. They don't get a reset into the top five, which is the natural position for them. Yeah. Whereas Clemson, obviously more stability, but they get a t- like you're pointing out a ten spot reset right into the natural order. I don't know who deserves five, but you raise a very good point there. Like this is just the template. This is the template. Those first four are locked in there. Oklahoma usually this, in the top five, sucks, and then you just go you, from there. I, you, what's really what's really hard to argue though is perception wise. These should be the top four schools in college football. We had the topic months ago where, you know, for as much as we anticipate the college football season, we kind of already know the teams that should be playing for the college uh, football playoff and the national title. And there's no argument on the top three. But Clemson Clemson has a lot to prove. And for them to just automatically be included in the top four is surprising. It does seem like Clemson ought to have to do something good to get there as opposed to yeah. Clemson having having to do something bad to get out of there considering what they did last Chad, year. Chad, I would have them right now at like 8 or 9 yeah. if I were filling out a top 25. I, then, I would have them out of the top 10 if I were filling out a top 25, but th- this is what it does when you get conditioned to see long-term success from certain programs. I'm looking at this top 10, it's not Clemson that jumps out to me, it's A&M at 6. What have they done with Jimbo Fisher there? They've recruited well. They don't know who their quarterback necessarily is going to be. 
They're in the SEC West. That's not an easy division. Are they the sixth best team in the country? I don't think so. Who do you want up there? Here's another one. NC State at 13. Here's my point. Yeah, we had the what same problem What jumps the out to point. us is NC State at 13 and not Clemson at four. Even if NC State had a better year last year and may have a better team returning than what Clemson does in the ACC, doesn't matter because we know Clemson to be a perennial powerhouse and not NC State. Oklahoma, Paul, the reason they are in that spot is because they've continued to churn out four- and five-star recruits in a conference where they've dominated, and they've dominated recruiting in the conference. So that's why they're the top Big 12 team on the board. And look at SC. SC at 14. They will climb. They will climb this mountain. They'll be a top 10 school by the end of the year with Caleb Williams at quarterback. I think Miami, maybe not this year, but if you're looking at a team, they're 16th going into this season. That's yeah. another one with Mario Cristobal that's, I think, going to quickly become a top 10 perennial type program. And uh, credit where credit's due, Pitt. They lose Kenny Pickett, the only first-round quarterback in the NFL draft. They go out and get USC starting quarterback to transfer in. They're still ranked in the top 20. That's a testament to Pat Narduzzi and his program that they're right back in there after winning the ACC a year ago. Uh, they're right back in at number 17 in the preseason poll. Just missing the top 25 is Tennessee. So what this sets up for... 26th. They're at 26. votes. Just missing top 25. They, they in week two, um, you know, you, you start looking around at matchups and where Pitt could be and where things stack up. Uh, they're a month away from playing the 17th-ranked uh, Pitt, uh, Pitt Panthers in the um, – right, yeah, the second week. Second week of the 28 season. days away from that. So yeah. as they look ahead, they've got some question marks on uh, at left tackle, for instance. But this is shaping up to be one of those prove-it weeks right out of the gate. Meanwhile, you have the SEC well-represented throughout all this as we break it down by conference in the top 25 – uh, Alabama, Georgia, A&M, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Ole Miss are all in the AP preseason top 25. You have five teams from the ACC, Clemson, NC State, Miami, Pitt, and Wake Forest, another underrated program in, in terms of preseason hype versus the perception of where they should finish. The Big Ten with four, and this is intriguing because also just missing the top 25, Iowa and Penn State. Uh, on the outside looking in uh, for the Big Ten. Big 12, uh, you've got three, um, and Texas is right behind Tennessee. They're 27th in this poll. But, uh, Chad, I mean, it, as far as numbers by conference, it's well represented by the, the Power Five, and I think it stacks up about how we would have it um, if we're going into a year, any given year, honestly, uh, for a preseason. By the end of it, it'll be dominated by the Big Ten and the SEC. Well, this is a big year for Utah, uh, for the Pac-12. One thing that jumps out there is a top-10 ranking. But they, they're going to carry the banner in a lot of ways unless, as you said, Hutton, USC rises with Caleb Williams and can carry the torch for that yeah. conference. Penn State, and everything I've read, I don't know a lot about Penn State going into the season right now. That's the one that people are just shocked they're not in the top 25. feel like they are way underrated not to make the top 25 with this Penn State team. Uh, we mentioned Tennessee and Texas, by the way. Um, Tennessee just landed a commitment from a top cornerback from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Talked to Austin Price about him on Friday. Picks Tennessee over Texas in what is a stunning pick because everyone thought he was headed to Texas. He had been there three times. He announces today for Tennessee. 
little bit of recruiting news there for you. But looking overall at this list, how about Ohio State? Today, AP Top 25 preseason, 34th consecutive season. They've been in the AP Top 25. They just broke the all-time record. They passed Nebraska and Penn State, who had 33-year streaks to be in the AP Top 25 with their 34th consecutive season in that Top 25, which goes back to now. I mean, they're the number two team in the country, but you'd be shocked if they weren't Top 5 or Top 10. Top 10 is a shock for Ohio State right now. If they're not in the Top 5, you're surprised. Yes, and and what this also shows, there is a huge gap between number two in the country and number five. They're going to face off in week one. It's probably going to be a three-possession type game based on uh, the word from the, the first scrimmage with Notre Dame, uh, where they have another injury at wide receiver. They are thin in that area. They have named a starting quarterback, uh, but they're facing Ohio State that is viewed as the number two team in the country, and you could argue they have the best quarterback and the best wide receiver in the nation. So uh, they, they could put on a show on national TV to open their, their college football season as the number two ranked team. It's going to be tough for them to climb as Alabama continues to win, or at least we we believe they'll continue to win. But that will be the showdown that many will talk about. I don't think Marcus Freeman has been given any favors early on. It he is. had to face a tough, yeah. veteran-led Oklahoma State team in his bowl game to start his career as a Notre Dame head coach. They had a lead. They lost it. They lose that one. And to come into this season ranked fifth with that lofty of expectation, they're going to get – I think they're going to get – beaten badly in Columbus to open the season. And that's not going to be a good look to open his tenure, but that's just where they are. But still, Notre Dame's seen as a top five team. And that's that's also kind of what we see in the college football playoff when one plays four. I mean, we, we've seen plenty of blowouts throughout this setup. There is generally a big talent drop-off between yeah. number two and number five. I don't know about Clemson, but if you're one of the top three there – you know, suffer your loss early and you climb back and odds are we see you in that college football playoff provided it's just one. Uh, Maddie on uh, the YouTube page says, as a Georgia fan, I'm a bit offended that Ohio State is ranked ahead of us. Bama, of course, but Ohio State is not better than us. There's the SEC versus Big Ten rivalry coming out. See, this is where the the votes contradict themselves, really, because – you have so so Georgia. The reason why my response lost would be, more. yeah, they they've lost practically their starting defense, and I realize they reload, they don't rebuild, um, but they they have Stetson Bennett coming back, who no one wants to talk about, uh, despite him winning the national championship. I'll raise my hand and say I think he's the best story going into the season for what he could accomplish in in his final season with the Bulldogs. And, and I think you just hit on it though. But no, no one talks about him for this this reason. Look at number one and two in the country. What do they have? A top 10 or 15 pick at quarterback. Right. And even with Stetson Bennett, all, everything that he has, I mean, that's people, and I think wrongly, look at Georgia, and they see lost all these defensive guys, even though they're probably going to be not as good, but great on defense again this year. Yeah, they, I mean. Who they have coming back, but they, they see a quarterback. players drafted. They see a quarterback that's not going to play in the NFL, and they immediately think, well, I'm going to dock them a bunch of points because they don't have a top NFL quarterback Leading them. Yeah, but it also shows the, the respect of what they expect to have from Kirby Smart's group, which is reloading and being just as good. So the perception is they've lost a lot. Meanwhile, you, you have uh, a, a lot of unknown with 
the quarterback at Clemson and how they're going to reshape what they've done, which was not good a year ago, and figure it out. Like They're almost given the benefit of the doubt at being number four after finishing 14th. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get the Clemson ranking other than that's and just – it's a testament to what Clemson has done. Yeah. And, that, and look, now I'm, you give them just bonus points for being Clemson, even just, though they were terrible it, a year it ago. It stands out to me. I'm not trying to hate on Clemson. I would just like for them to earn it instead of being – right now, if they lose, they're going to fall down three or four spots, but they're still right back in contention, uh, even if they start the season the way it was going midway through the season last year. So – uh, to me, they need to work their way back up a bit, which is why I would put them somewhere in the top 10, but a loss m- f- puts them down at, towards you know 20th uh, in, uh, on my preseason rankings and, and then perception of what a loss would mean to where they fall to and how you have to work your ba- way back up from there. They, they just have a lot to prove from the quarterback spot. Stetson Bennett is plus 10,000 for the Heisman. Stroud plus 220. Young plus 380, Caleb Williams plus 700. There are seemingly 50 names between those three yeah. and Stetson Bennett. But, but yet you have a national championship winning quarterback that no one believed in, that half the fan base, if not 80% of the fan base, wanted to bench after the SEC championship game. And might still. He oh. goes on to, not anymore. I mean, because he goes on and wins two consecutive games in the college football playoff and like literally helped them win it by his arm and by his decision-making. He showed up, and, and he, he was showing out in the biggest moments. Um, but yet, the better storylines are, who are we going to see more long-term instead of... Yeah, the, they're still going to be, regardless, because Georgia is so damn talented at every position. He's going to make a mistake, and there's going to be some fringe of the fan base saying, let's get to Brock Vandergriff because he was a five-star guy. Right. Right. Coming in, we need we need to match the talent at every other position. Five star at quarterback, and not have this guy uh, who was at JUCO that you know couldn't get a Division One scholarship originally at quarterback, and that's unfair to everything that Stetson Bennett ha- has accomplished. Um, here's the sad part about college football as it stands right now: I believe that the top three on that list are a lock for the playoff, and that sucks. Um, I'll just leave it there. No, that sucks going into a season feeling like Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, mark it down in Sharpie. They're going to be in the well, playoffs. But here's here's what really sucks. I'll go ahead and put them as a lock for 2023. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. But, like I don't need yeah, to talk no, about this I, year. I, I that, agree. That's what sucks. It's, it's not going to change uh, unless some of these other coaches who are paid. I mean, the college football coaching world they get paid a ton of money. And it's really about three to four programs that are truly competing for the trophy right now. Um, and we start looking at salaries and contracts and buyout money. And these guys are, are going to the Sugar Bowl, and that's the expectation right now as they start the season instead of talking about national championships. And they're bonused off of that. You have a, 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 a coach who's going to get a raise if he just wins seven games in the Southeastern Conference on the, on the totality of their season. Um, that's what sucks, is that the bonus money now is structured because their agents, and more power to them, have set them up to where success is, is deemed winning a, a certain amount of games instead of winning a trophy and a title. Because the perception is, and we see it, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, maybe Notre Dame, uh, maybe Michigan, maybe Oklahoma works their way up, maybe SC comes back, but there's not many... Other, there's one, other, there's other than one that spot, one floater spot. That's truly vying for the national title. 
Um, and we should throw LSU in the mix because they've also been there, done that in recent years. Well, and the, the floater spot doesn't really even exist because while Cincinnati played in the playoff last year, they had no chance. Yeah. against Alabama in the playoff, and we knew it. And they're well, coming floater, in undefeated. A floater spot for yeah, the four. Yeah, they, they deserved the spot, the and I was happy to see them get the spot. But we also knew they weren't going to beat Alabama once they got there. So they had no chance in the national championship. There's really about 10 to 15 programs that are playing one sport. Then there's about 20 programs playing a different sport. Then there's about 15 more programs playing a different sport. Then there's about 45 programs after that playing a different level of football. And that's the sad reality of – and I love college football as much as anyone – but, Hutton, you're talking about the salary set up to make so much if you win seven games. We can look at Mark Stoops in Kentucky, who's been all over the news this weekend. They're not playing for national titles. Hell, they've never been to Atlanta to play for right. an SEC title. But he's going to make as much money as he wants, and he's going to have escalator clauses in his contract as long as he's winning seven or eight games. And when they win ten, they're going to throw a parade for him. Why? Because Kentucky's not playing the same well, sport but it's as not- George and Alabama. And quite frankly... Tennessee, Ole Miss, others, they're playing a different level of sport right now than those top five, six teams that we just mentioned. As long as they reach or exceed expectations, I'm okay with raises. What, what gets me is the buyout money. So if you no, fail, that's... they still win. There's still a perception of there is a, a fortune to be made by reaching a certain level, and it does not have to be a championship level. But yet you have championship level buyout money at some of these programs, which is just ridiculous. And that's not going away because it's kind of grandfathered into the whole system uh, that, we're, that we're playing with here. Uh, Miles Brennan, uh, who some said had a, a great shot at winning the LSU quarterback job. Turns out Brian Kelly told him he wasn't winning the quarterback job. And he's effectively retiring from the sport. He's had two injury-plagued seasons. And he is now no longer with the LSU program. The program put out a statement. So did he. Um, a mutual parting of ways, but it, the way it was phrased makes it sound like his career is is done. He's not trying to extend the career uh, by moving on a year from now or trying to, to latch on and, and keep things going as he continues to try to stay healthy. No, he's not even going to be the backup this year. He's no longer a part of the LSU program. So now it's down to Jaden Daniels, um, who... They're go- I think they're going to play. Yeah, he's number the, one in the depth chart. Because of the athleticism factor. But, I mean, he sucked at Arizona State. Let's be honest here. There was nothing about Jaden Daniels that deserves any mention other than the fact he now plays with Brian Kelly and LSU um, in terms of national recognition. Miles Brennan was talked about more, and he was sidelined with injury. So it's, it's not like he lit the Pac-12 on fire, and then all of a sudden he's the hand-picked successor at LSU um, it was a four-quarterback job, and I still tend to lean towards them playing two quarterbacks in a system where Jaden Daniels' athleticism can help you, but is he standing in the pocket and delivering something? You want to know how you can get immediate confirmation that you made the right call on your starting quarterback is when the guy who's second on the depth chart quits the game of football altogether when being put second on the, on the depth chart. That shows me someone who just really wasn't into it, and more power to him. If he's had injuries and he's just, hey, if I'm not the starter, I don't want to even play and show up at practice every day, then good riddance if you're Brian Kelly and LSU. Thanks for your service, but you're no longer needed, and that's fine if you want to leave. So, look, Jaden Daniels showed some promise at Arizona State, but he was wildly inconsistent. That was also a wildly inconsistent program with a lot of NCAA issues rolling around with Herm Edwards 
and his staff and, and what was going on there. Um, well, last, but, last year, though, he threw as many picks as he did touchdowns. Yeah, again, he's been wildly inconsistent, but he has shown flashes of doing something. But they still, it's hard to argue with the call that he, the guy that just quit football was named the backup. If he's going to quit football after being named the backup, then you made the right decision, regardless of the talent of the starter. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up, quarterback performances over the weekend across the NFL. We'll start with the Jets, and we'll start with Zach Wilson's injury with an update on the knee. And they'll roll through uh, Kenny Pickett and Mayfield and Darnold in a battle in Carolina. Uh, Deshaun Watson speaks and plays. Mariota makes his debut. And then Desmond Ritter put on a show in Detroit. We'll have details on all of these newcomers to the league or new starters for teams next on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are streaming live at Outkick.com. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Plenty of uh, quarterback play. Uh, We'll quickly mention... uh, cornerback Marcus Peters activated from PUP today by Baltimore. It's been coming off the ACL, but that's going to be a great boost to their defense. Um, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 with your assessments of, of and your takes from the NFL preseason. Zach Wilson, prime example of why coaches play it safe or tend to play it safe in the preseason. Non-contact injury as he came up limping. It looked uh, I, at first, I thought, man, he may be done for the year. Turns out it's a it's a bone bruise and a knee injury where he's going to L- – he's in Los Angeles now and he's having his knee scope tomorrow. And they hope it's just a two- to four-week timetable for a return. But that would put him right in the area of playing week one against Baltimore – so we could see Joe Flacco for the Jets against his former team, the Ravens. Torn meniscus. Boy, Jets fans were on <clears throat> a vigil, and they were feeling sorry for themselves. They are so upbeat about this season. Too upbeat, probably. But um, if Zach Wilson was done, done for the season out of preseason game number one, that would be such a Jets on a, <laughs> on, on On playing, he needs to play. He needs those live reps. But like on a totally non-contact way, just – just trying to make Bad a cut step. on turf, and yeah. bam, he's done. Would uh, have been awful. Yeah, and it they, would have been the number one story coming out of the weekend. They dodged the a bullet, they, for sure. Um, Kenny Pickett. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I, I want to preface all this. Um, I went back last night and watched several of these guys. Um, they're playing against guys who are not going to make the roster, by and large part, so... These are quarterbacks that played at an extremely high level in college that are playing against similar talent right now in the NFL. They put on a show in college, and they're doing that now in the preseason, as they should. Kenny Pickett is one of those. But he's, a, he's an example of no matter where he is, like, it's been reported he's been 
you know, getting third-team reps at times through the first two weeks of camp. He did not look like a third stringer or a second stringer in week one of the preseason. So now maybe we see reports out of Pittsburgh that he's getting more first-team reps along with Trubisky, but he's getting first-team reps and working in to where you really have and you begin to see a quarterback battle arise. He had them in a rhythm and a flow operationally moving, and he was hitting open people, and they looked like a team that, you know, we hear all these reports about how bad things are for Chicago. Fields played okay uh, for the Giants. Pittsburgh looked like kind of the opposite of that. They just they, they moved the ball, and he was efficient and looked like a guy back there who wasn't doing it for the first time, which is what you want out of a first-round draft pick in his, his first go-round. I think they should be really pleased. And Pickens, the rookie receiver, also looked very good and was getting rave reviews. The one thing I'm struggling with, like – Pickens made one really easy, smooth touchdown catch. I'm not taking it away from him. But he did this tiny little stutter that wasn't a very impressive move. And the cornerback flailed, and he ran right by him. Then he caught the touchdown in the corner and did nice things with his feet. But there's no nuance for saying, like, George Pickens made a nothing move here, lost a terrible cornerback, and then did exactly what you hope he would do. Everybody's like, wow, look at George Pickens. Same thing, Racy McMath. Chad and I were talking about it last week in Tennessee. <clears throat> Racy McMath caught a 48-yard pass from, from Malik Willis where the cornerback broke off his coverage and went and covered space instead of men. So, I mean, did he do a nice job? Yeah, but I, I think it's necessary to mention, like, there was no coverage. No coverage. Did you see George Pickens just freight train the guy on the block? The one time, oh, just yeah. picked yeah. him up like a rag doll and threw him about well, five yards. He's, he's but there's a difference that. between yeah. like lighting somebody up, like torching a guy, and taking advantage of a guy who stumbles or well, doesn't know how to turn or fell for a very simple speaking, move. And there's no difference. Speaking of lighting someone up, um, did the Zach Wilson injury come after Quincy Williams? With the late hit on Jalen Hurts running out of bounds. Oh, that was such a bad In the Jets-Eagles game. I'm not sure when it... I mean, Robert Sala came out after the game and said it was an egregiously dumb, bad play. It was. By Quincy Williams, and we take full blame for it. But Nick Sirianni was hot, and I don't blame him. I, I Going love crazy his reaction. Of the, yes. And I you know the team reaction. loves that reaction, too. That's a terrible hit. It's I, a terrible I mean, hit, and the, even his own head coach is saying, if we're going to be better at linebacker, we need plays like that from Quincy to go away. That was egregiously bad, he called it. But I'm just curious from the – did that happen before or after with that? I know that Zach Wilson wasn't hit late, but, man, that, that well, was he wasn't weird. he was hit at all. That was weird. Oh, I know. That was weird back and forth. Yeah, he did a cut, and then the Turf Monster got him. Um, the, the, I, I thought Hertz played well for what it's worth. I mean, they, he, led, he led drives down the field. Um, others did uh, – other veterans did as well. We'll get to them in a moment. Um, but Paul, back back to like George Pickens. Like I, I'm more concerned with guys who are stacking, are stacking good practices, and I'm basing this off of what we read and sure. what's reported and what's allowed to be reported. But guys who are showing up in blogs and showing up in in chatter out of certain markets, and then actually show up in a highlight in a game, like are, are able to perform when it's time to go perform against something else. Yeah, it's a good sign. So I mean. They're, they're, it's, it's a terrible sign for the defensive back that can't cover that route. But it's a great sign for George Pickens that is, he's bringing him in tally. And so, so is Pickett, who is already uh, you know, the fan favorite there. And then he goes out and he's 13 for 15 and 
uh, throws for a couple touchdowns. He he ran it when he needed to. It was nothing special, but again, ran it when he needed to. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I th- this was this is interesting because Mariota starts the game. He's the starter in Atlanta. He drives down in limited action, scores a touchdown. Like the opening drive, they go down and get points. Ritter comes in and they're playing against Detroit, and this game comes down to the wire. With a minute and a half to go, it's like fourth and eight. Arthur Smith's going for it because he, he wants to instill like this mentality, right? They're in Detroit, and I wish we could pull up the sound of this, like a clip of Ritter throwing the touchdown pass. It sounds like a damn playoff game in Detroit on the broadcast of how loud it is with Detroit having the lead and Ritter throwing the touchdown and the, the energy just sucked out of the building. And if you're going back and watching the, the highlight reels, um, you would think it's a regular season game in like week three in Detroit. It was crazy. I've, I don't know how many people showed up to this game. And I don't think they're piping in noise, but it's, it sounds like you're playing at Arrowhead. I'm exaggerating <laughs> a bit, but I mean, it is... It, they're hungry. I, I thought to myself, this is, is, is this a replay from like some... You're Some looking to see if the, day. if the live icon is on on the top of the screen on NFL yeah. Network or you're watching. Ritter came out of it reasonably well, though. 10 for 22 well, yeah. is not good. But, but, but one or two the, things I he saw. He led the drive. His footwork was was poor on one or two occasions. So it's certainly not um, – it's plenty of room for him still. Good in the context of that, that he led them down the field. And we've got – hopefully uh, important time. hopefully Colin can crank this loud enough to where you can hear this. But I was going back listening to this. Yeah, and we'll have to find that. Because it was a, you hear this? That's a pretty good cheer for Listen to this. This pre-season. is preseason game one. And it sounds like it's third down and 13 in the AFC title. Extends the play. Let's it fly. And it's caught. Listen. Oh, my goodness. Fourth down and eight touchdown. I mean, tell me if that's regular season or preseason in your mind. Well, that's, that's, no preseason game I'm getting to go to. That's regular season disappointment from Lions fans that you heard right there. The, the noise followed by the immediate, oh. I, that's what surprised feels me just this like, game. Feels just like November around here. Um, a little earlier. Oh, man. October. Yeah, so uh, th- those are the, the three main guys that, to point out. Mayfield and Darnold. Um, Mayfield apparently played fine. Darnold did too, threw a touchdown pass. Mayfield started the game. Um, but it, it, you come away with not hearing much about any, any one guy grabbing the job. And I think they'd like to decide sooner rather than later. And unfortunately, it's another week of trying to figure out who the guy is. As Mayfield continues to get entrenched in this offense. Key, though, that he started the game, right? I know you were excited that Blaine Gabbert went five for five, had a 152.9 passer rating for the Bucs. That's going to get me charged up. Charged up <laughs> for what, what we're going to see hey. Wednesday here in Nashville with the with the uh, yeah, joint that's, practices. That's a huge bummer. That's a huge bummer that uh, Brady's not coming to town because that takes a lot of the energy out of, oh. of the practice itself. The Titan, like, let's give a, a preview of what should happen. Wednesday, Thursday, the Titans' defense should dominate headlines because they're going against a backup quarterback against their starting D. They're going against a retooled offensive line that's trying to figure things out on the interior now. And they have, they're facing a wide receiving core. I'm not sure how much Mike Evans will play um, in, the, in, the, in the actual yeah. joint practices. 
and they have other banged up guys too that are coming off injury. So the number one defense for the Titans should look like the number one defense in the NFL, quite frankly, on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, air really came out of the balloon with the Brady news for this visit. Already looking forward to Kyler Murray next next week, which yeah. is much more exciting than uh, Blaine Gabbert slash Kyle Trask. Um, so we'll have to deal with, with two, what we get. Two others, and it's not even based on their performance as much as the fact that they played. I, I was surprised, and we knew he was going to play, I was surprised that Deshaun Watson started the game for Cleveland because they've got to get ready for the regular season. And if you're going to start churning out wins, my my mindset would be on, if I'm Stefanski, making sure my offense is ready to hit the ground running week one. We talked about that Thursday. He wasn't great. You know, he was one for five. And over overthrew a guy. and First play of the game. He's in Jacksonville. By the way, Trevor Lawrence looked awesome. Uh, overthrew... um, uh, first play of the game, yeah. But it, to me, it wasn't as much about the performance and very limited action as much as you started him for that. Like that, that's that's all you needed to see if you're going to start the game with with him. Like, and it sounds like I that's would have it. him play the fourth quarter. Sounds like that's it. Like that they now are going to be more forward looking. But like what towards the season? What does that do? What, what did that look? give them that they didn't already have? I think I don't understand why he starts the game other than to just send a message that it is us against the world in some respect. I think there was a little bit of that, and I think their feeling was like the guy hasn't played in a long time, and we want him to so give him know, the second knock half. the rust off and, and yeah, play. Give him a lot of playing time well, against bad I, I defense. I think they wanted him to play, too, with, with starters protection yeah. Yeah. to some degree. Uh, and number two, Matt Ryan. So here, this, this sent a weird message to me, and it's probably l- – let me – I want to preface this by saying Matt Ryan probably asked to play. Okay? Surely. So Jonathan Taylor doesn't play, but Matt Ryan does. And with what's at stake in Indy right now, there is no way I'm playing Matt Ryan in the preseason, in the first game of the preseason. There's no need for it. Like I, if, if, if your best players are, are, are sitting the bench and the offensive line played, but Jonathan Taylor's not playing. To me, that's a signal that this game doesn't mean very much the future of the franchise, like where we're headed and what it means, what's at stake here. I and I would not. It, this was limited action as well. I would not be looking to play Matt Ryan for a quarter or less. They had penalties, pressure, and no separation, and some of those things with or without Jonathan Taylor, I suspect for the Colts could be. Issues. Big issues. Especially the no separation. Coming up, the punt god resides in Buffalo. If you haven't seen it, you'll see it. And if you haven't heard about Matt Ariza, you will next on Outkick 360. We have a rare August trade in the NFL. Outkick 360 rolls on. The Eagles are sending uh, Arcega Whiteside, one of their receivers, to Seattle in exchange for free safety Ugo Amadi, who coincidentally played high school about 15 minutes from here, uh, here in Nashville at uh, Overton. Played college ball at Oregon. Now he's headed to Philly after being a 2019 draft pick for Seattle. So... 
They're swapping a safety for a receiver. The Eagles are probably trading a player they were going to cut due to depth. And then the Eagles certainly have depth at receiver based on what we've seen through the first part of, of their 2022 uh, camp and preseason. Outkick 360 rolls on. The punt god resides in Buffalo. The 82-yard bomb uh, this weekend is something you have to see to believe because when I think of 82-yard punts, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to roll for like 20 Big yards. Rolls. It is not the case. And uh, props to uh, uh, Matt Ariza is his name. He is from San Diego State. He's a sixth-round pick by Buffalo. He's the Ray Guy Award winner. He averaged 51 yards per punt in college, and he's known for putting it through the end zone. But as we're running back on our stream, and we describe it for you here, um, this bounces what maybe once, and the, two, two the, maybe yeah, three before it reaches the paint in Indy. I also, and I think it's important to point out, this is in a dome. This is not wind at your back. Oh, I take that this back. This is in not Buffalo. a dome. This is in Buffalo. It's in Buffalo. So maybe he does have the benefit of uh, wind at the back. I thought this was an Indy. The so maybe he gets a little air here uh, to help him, but the the air in the building. There was anticipation to see this guy punt. It's the second quarter whenever this took place. And even the broadcast, if you're watching the, the Buffalo broadcast, they're, they're discussing how uh, bummed they were to see the quarterback um, and the, the offense come out and not get the ball moving on the possession where they were backed up a bit. And from their 18-yard line, the color commentator goes, well... At least we get to see the leg of a riser right here. And you can, at that point, I think the crowd realized it. There was a bit of a buzz. Sound like Detroit. <laughs> not like Detroit. But there was a bit of a buzz. Like, you hear this, oh, when it, as soon as it leaves his foot. like Ariza's going to punt? Ariza's going to punt, ladies and gentlemen. This thing is going to space. And I was shockingly watching this game just live when this happened. Yeah. I just had it on in the background. And I'm watching it, and I, I remember just immediately being astonished. I wasn't listening to the, the color guy, the buildup to him punting. But looking up at the punt... And hearing the crowd noise kind of rise as the ball is in the air, but the punt returner just like running, sprinting directly back. Uh, that that's what catches your eye first is this thing is way over this guy's head. The way he was sprinting back, and then <laughs> yeah. just gave up on it. It was a bomb, incredible. Where was he standing uh, to receive this punt when he took over? Uh, by the time the camera caught him, he was already in a in a dead sprint. So it's hard to know where he started on the punt return. Well, uh, the bummer for Buffalo, and I'm sure they pointed this out, it's a touchback. So you lose yardage on what was a massive punt, but they still, still get the, the ball at 20. Still, the net very good. Yeah, you're flipping the field completely. The net's awesome. The, the, the line of scrimmage was the 18. It ends up being the opponent's, oh, your own, yeah, the opponent's 20 whenever uh, the, the Colts took over there. 25, no, on a punt? Um, 25 on kickoff, I believe. Yeah, 20 on punt. Should be 20 on punt, 25 yeah. on kickoff. So, I mean, you're getting a 62-yard net. That's tremendous. I yeah. love that. We, we do know punters, though, who were cut because they outkicked their coverage. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love that. But I love that he's known for just oh. blasting into the end zone. It's like, this dude's not even trying. Well, they, This is like a power lifter well, that's going what his for his top is, lift at all god. times. The yeah. punt god. But there, he's not, I'm not trying to coffin corner this thing. I'm, I'm punting as far as I can. Well, if you're punting from the it's 50. It's going to go out of the end zone. If you're punting from the 50. And it's yeah. in the end zone, which, it's not good. Yeah, it's not good. But if you're, uh, you know, he's a weapon here. If you're punting from your five, your ten, your twenty, well, it, right, it's terrific net or. But you know what would have been better? Oh, it, it was it was awesome. An eighty-one yard 
punt. <laughs> oh, God. <yeah. laughs> I mean, my point is, yeah, no, like, you're absolutely right. The dude blasted it so far, it went out of the end zone it, with the way it, the trajectory of it. Like, if it's but, just steadily rolling down to the three or the two, I mean, how much bigger that Hutton's is. That's right, swing. though. Record punts usually are misjudged by a returner and end up rolling dead with the, yeah. its team surrounding it to touch it down after it stops. It's a misjudgment and a roll. This oh, is leg. Hey, and let's give him credit too. There was only about a four, five per hour, a mile per hour win uh, around yeah, kickoff so this time is of this him. game. So, yeah, that he's he's letting loose in Buffalo as the uh, six round draft pick for the Bills. How about the Bills? I mean, can can anything go wrong for them other than an injury right now? Like even their punters kicking the football eighty two yards. It's a good pick. They have a punter known as the Punt God. So everything's everything's Everything. right in Buffalo Everything. right now. Everything seems to be uh, pretty solid. We've got headlines coming up, including Carson Wentz with a sit-down interview that we'll discuss uh, with some of the answers uh, that, that he came up with. Cowboys, we'll discuss what we saw from this weekend there. And we get into Stoops and Calipari and the saga that will not end in Lexington, the back and forth, and the message received by Stoops and then... The return by Stoops to Calipari is pretty epic. That's next to now kick 360.